we're going to start our story off with a question for our dear audience. Can humanity measure its own potential? Perhaps it can be measured in its capacity to achieve. If greatness exists, then one has the potential to be great. For ages, humanity has expanded its understanding of its own potential from harnessing fire to mastering agriculture to the invention of computers that can do complex tasks for us. Humanity is constantly discovering new boundaries and breaking them. But how far do these limits extend? And if we are truly capable of measuring our own limits, will we see those limits before we reach them? Before it's too late? Our game begins on a ship named the Belissa. For the moment, the only figure moving on this spacecraft is an android named Castor. For over a year, Castor has been watching over nine of humanity's best tasked with exploring a planet far outside even their own solar system. For most of this trip, the crew has been suspended in a stasis pod, keeping them alive but slowing down the aging process. Another potential barrier broken by humanity's ingenuity. In a moment, with the help of their android comrade, their hibernation is about to come to an end. And soon they will see just how far the limits of humanity can be measured. Welcome to Out of Depth Plays Analysis Complete. We're going to be playing the Mothership role-playing game. So excited to have you all here to see this new story with this lovely group of people. As we get started, Caster, David, what does our android look like he's kind of got a wide stocky base with two metallic trunks for legs kind of little orange caps on his feet he's got kind of a, a slenderer chest compared to what his his legs you would think would have his chest size be it has little compartments where he can store some of his things and then he's got kind of a, a slight you know jawline leading up into a, a box boxy top to his head okay right now caster is in the stasis chamber where there are several pods that house nine figures nine crew members over a year you have been keeping up with their vital signs making sure that everybody is still alive and today you all are approaching the planet Wolfram 16, where you all are tasked with analyzing the planet's atmosphere and seeing if it is inhabitable, like our own Earth. And should it be, it would be the first of its kind, the first, second Earth. It's been kind of a lonely trip. How have you felt during this time to yourself over a year. Castor is definitely anxious for company, but he definitely goes into the stasis chamber and he he's, he's brought a couple books with him and he's he reads to them as as they're in stasis. 
and pretends like he can interact with them a bit. Today, you're going to awaken them from their hibernation. They are currently suspended in a liquid. It's a silvery, viscous liquid, uh, almost plasmatic, and it is called stasis milk. That's kind of the generic term for this chemical compound that they are floating in. It, in fact, slows down the cellular degeneration that comes with aging so that they don't age over this year, or they age minutely over the course of this this year-long trip. There's a panel, and you press some buttons on this panel, and it is releasing that liquid into these tubes. You can hear it draining out, and it's going into a large tank that houses all of this liquid. Reedon, your character has been asleep for 13 months. You started this trip in the year 2117, and it is now 2118. And you, your body is covered in this mesh jumpsuit that sends electrical pulses through your musculature to keep everything active while you've been asleep. And you feel this uncomfortable draining of liquid out of your lungs. You have tubes running out of your nostrils. Once this process starts to happen and this air is starting to re-enter your body, you have an impulse to like throw up. But there is a huge tube in your throat right now that needs to be removed. What is Rook's first impulse when this happens? being awakened this way. I think I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and just uh, push my hands out just to kind of get a feel for my surroundings right now. Um, when I went into the tube, I'm assuming I was, uh, you know, in a small little space and I don't really like small spaces. So I'm just kind of feeling around, getting a, a feel for it. I mean, this ain't the first time that a tube, you know, going going into my throat, but uh, it's been a while, so this might be a little unnerving. Yeah, so you start pushing at the sides of this pod that you're in, and it takes a moment as the liquid's draining out before it releases. It's kind of like a laundry machine. like It won't unlock until the water kind of settles out, but eventually it starts to press out. I would like for you to make the first save of the game I need you to make a body save. For those listening at home, every character has a series of saves, body, fear, and sanity that they need to make during stressful situations and not succeeding can result in consequences. That is going to be a failure on my yeah. end. What'd you roll? Uh, a 65. So I was like, is that a 66? I was oh, no. about to be so upset, but no, that was a 65. <laughs> a 65, yeah. So uh, I need you to add stress. You take one point of stress mm -hmm. to your character sheet. Every time you all fail a check or a save, you're going to add a stress to your character. This makes it harder for you to resist panicking later. And we'll get into that probably at some point soon. And I'll explain it more in detail to you all and to our, our listeners. Failing this check, you vomit this tube 
like your 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 vomit's going over this tube and it's kind of pushing out and you're starting to choke a little bit. And Caster, you can you hear this. You're you're Johnny on the spot. So what would you like to do? Yeah, I'm gonna run over and and try and help him. Oh my, I I'm told that waking up from stasis is quite disorienting. Allow me to help you. <laughs> yeah. Water, just get, can I get some water, please? Just something just to get the shit out of my fucking mouth. Oh, oh, you think I would have prepared for this moment a bit better? Uh, yes, l- 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 let me go find you some water. There's a pump for water, like a water cooler installed into a wall nearby because this happens a lot. Gail, Dr. Freya Locke, you're having a very similar experience to Rook, but I have to ask, what was. Dr. Locke dreaming of before she woke up. She was uh, dreaming of alarms going off and uh, dogs barking and rats squealing and and just a feeling of dread. She was back in her lab and it was just filling with milk. That was what I was dreaming. Could you make a body save for me. And just to be clear, that is a D100 to roll under my body. Right, and your body number is what? What is your score for your body save? 17. So Gail is going to roll a D100, and she needs to roll under, what did you say, a 17? Uh, yeah. That's... So. Oh gosh, it looks close. Oh, sorry, that's a 70, not a 10, but I would have rolled under if it was a 10. Oh, it I wasn't rolled... close at all. It was a 16, it was a 76, sorry. Um... 76. Also to note, if any of you roll doubles on your dice, 77, 66, 55, so on and so forth, so forth, those are critical failures or critical successes depending on where they are on your sheet. So if you get under and you roll doubles, that's a critical success. If you get above, that's a critical failure. Gail, you also are about to have a similar experience with this stasis milk evacuating your system Castor, as you turn around with a cup of water moving towards Rook, you hear a similar similar explosion uh, from Dr. Locke's pod. Oh my, perhaps I should have staggered the awakenings a bit more. Oh, I imagine that like I keep like breathing it back in because I'm trying to get the liquid out of me and like I'm almost like inhaling my vomit as I go in. <laughs> <laughs> And I, like, point at my back to Caster, like, <laughs> signaling oh. him to pat me on the back and help me get this stuff out of my chest. There, there, Dr. Locke. Every day is a new day. A few days have passed since this moment where you all woke up, and since then you've gotten clean, you've gotten clothes on that you feel comfortable in, during the process of coming out of stasis requires exercise and lots of water because you want to work that stuff out of your system. There's moments of muscle spasms. There's very minor side effects, but they're not very pleasant. And so you try, you're trying to work all this out before you get to Wolfram 16, your destination. And you're two days away from landing on this planet. Brooke, now that you are yourself in your clothes, Reedan, could you please describe for us what does Rook 
look like what time of what time of day is it right now it is space time so uh <laughs> you all are kept on the 24-hour cycle so it's kind of towards the end maybe six o'clock earth time okay i'm uh just kind of walking around the ship right now i don't know where i am right now on the ship but i i'm wearing these nice uh camo pants a little bit of uh, military style boots um but what you see is a kind of um, a guy that's in his late 20s, but really he kind of looks like he's in his late, late 30s. Um, he kind of has like a, a shock of like jet black, coarse ringlets of hair. I kind of kept tight to the, kept kept tight and short to the head. He looks really lanky, you know. Uh, he, I probably look like I weigh about maybe 135, 140. You know, you can see a little bit of my ribs there. And uh, I think like a very defining trait when you look at my face here, um, of course I have olive skin and, and dark brown eyes, but I have these very distinct uh, like the atrophic like acne scars. I had a really bad acne when I was a kid and it kind of left these craters like you would see on the moon just kind of on my face and it kind of just makes me a little bit more gaunt. Other than that, I got like a little thin mustache uh, that I keep nice and groomed. Uh, I'm not wearing a shirt right now. I, I got my tank top just kind of tucked into the waistband. And I'm just, I think I just got out of the shower maybe, getting clean, and I'm just, you know, yeah. uh, just parading around. You are approached by a, another member of the military group that is on this ship. There are three members that are armed forces, yourself, another uh, young man named Martin and Sergeant Levi. Um, Levi and Martin approach you and they tell you to follow them and they take you to and one of the barracks, there's two different barracks that aren't being used right now for a little private meeting. What you got? What do you need? Yeah, I've been asking myself the same question, man. We're about to make our way to this planet and uh something doesn't seem right does it sergeant seems a little uh preoccupied with something and the sergeant says i can talk for myself thanks and she says listen you're not to discuss this with anybody right now this is just for us the only other person who knows is the other scientist one of the scientists on the ship She's referring to Dr. George Asper. She says there's some electronical interference coming from the planet. Now, we knew about this when we set our course here. It's part of the reason why we came. We wanted to see what it is. Now, look, I don't think we're going to be walking into uh, little green men or anything like that. Right. But one of the cargo boxes in the hull has some weapons that may seem a little extreme for this type of mission. Our job when we get down there is to secure the area and make sure that there's not little green men floating around. Understood, Sarge. I mean, I got hired to do what essentially is a little bit of bodyguard work. You just, you know, put a little bit of military fatigues on me and call it a day, but I mean, we're planning to do this peacefully, no? If we do encounter any little green men, as you say. We don't think there's going to be anything there. I don't think there's going to be anything either. either. Yeah. But 
depending on the situation, we're going to have to uh, take peace into account because there is only nine of us. So then the, the job becomes securing our exit. And you had to tell me this in private because... Not everybody on the ship knows about the signal. Oh, the... Right, because when you have electrical interference, it's coming from a thing. And Maybe. That's right, so you think this, I mean... We don't want anybody to panic. We're far from home. Sure. I mean, with, with all the credits that I'm racking up, there's nothing really, anything to panic about. I knew I could trust you. And she, uh, she parts ways. Martin, who is, is a very amiable, nice guy, blonde hair, stubble beard, that he's growing out to hide his very boyish face is staring very deeply at the floor. You don't think there's going to be anything out there, do you? I mean, I hope there is, you know. <laughs> I, uh, I've i seen a lot of things in my life that are mine, and did you, were, were you living in a small town your entire life? or? I mean, I've been places. I mean, I've been all over, you know. Like I, I, to the end of the block, or you've been around the world? You, have you traveled? I, I've been around the world, sir. And you saw some things, and it surprised you. I suppose, yeah. And you grew up because of that. You, you, you gain a little bit of uh, perspective. Yeah. And he's not, he's like not listening to you now. Like he's saying words like, like a conversation would be, but he is staring off into nothing as you're talking to him. To be honest, mine, I hope there is something on that planet because, you know, maybe it'll lead to something bright and uh, prosperous for us. And I also think, I, I hope if there are, like, living beings on it, I hope it's fucking beautiful. You know? All I've known is kind of, like, you know, human anatomy. I wonder if... What if, what if these, uh, these aliens, you know, they got, like, boobies, but, like, on their head? You know what I mean? It's, it's gonna be insane. Or, you know, the dick. It's like the tongue. That'd be crazy, right? He hears you, like, he, he says, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And he, like, just kind of gets up and starts drifting off out of the room. Okay. Uh, you, Martin, you need anything, you let me know. Let me know if you want to work out later. David, while this was happening, you are in a lab room with Dr. George Asper. He's this mid middle-late 40s black man. He's got kind of graying on the temples keeps his hair a little not not very clean cut you know kind of keeps a little shaggy a slender guy got the he's got like some like a pair of pants that looks like it was straight off the rack at you know target or something and and a belt that he's skinny enough that the the belt may be from like the children's section because it's got like little little color bands in it but he's very tall he's playing a game of chess with you have you ever played much chess? Oh, uh, yes. I used to play quite a bit of chess. I fear I'm at a bit of a disadvantage. No, you don't have to feel that way. I used to win, but my previous owner kind of adjusted my skill level. He got tired of losing, is that what you're saying? I believe so. So I'm really competing against what your previous owner's skill preference is. That's correct. If I can beat you, so would he. Who was your previous owner? Oh, well, I happen to be owned by the man that created me, my father. Oh, that's interesting. You know, I've never heard a Mason unit speak about fathers that way. I mean, they yes. in general terms, but you, you, 
You speak very lovingly. Well, yes, I, I have great admiration for a mind that can create a mind. Wouldn't you? I do. In fact, I do. This mason body, by the way, it's, it's not the first body I've had. This is just a practical body for the task at hand. Are you saying that you, your, uh, what, what, what would you call it exactly? Your, um... My consciousness. Your consciousness, that's funny. You're saying this isn't your first body? And that it's, it comes from another body, is that right? That's true. Is that unusual for androids? I, I, I'm not really sure. You know, I, I, I get a little jittery around, uh, androids, I like to do everything myself in my hand, but I, I decided to take, since we're on this trip, I decided to take this time to get to know you a little bit better. Well, I feel a little jittery around you as well. You have to understand, I've been having conversations for you for over a year now, but now you can finally talk back. What do you mean by that? Oh, well, any story that I tell you, I've probably already told you. It's been a long time. Are you saying that you spoke to me while I was in hibernation? How would you pass the time? Would you just spend it in silence? No. Uh, I, I, I guess it's a natural inclination. I mean, we speak to babies in the womb, right? Whether they can hear us or not. Exactly. I've read The Sun Also Rises to you all about 30 times. I've never read that book. I wonder if I read it to you now if parts of it would be familiar. Now, this is very interesting. Very interesting indeed. You said you've read it 30 times. I don't even know if the inside of the stasis chamber is soundproof. Maybe you read it and none of us heard anything. Would that upset you? I believe it would, yes. I'm very sorry to hear that. Um, but if I don't seek out the answer, I guess I never have to be disappointed by it. Do you have a... Uh, a copy of this book. Perhaps I could read it on my time off and I could tell you if I remember anything. Why, yes, I do. I have it in my locker. I wish that they allowed us to take more personal items with us, but I, alas, only had the one book. I think I would like that very much. I'll get it for you later tonight. Oh, that's a good move. I, I, I took my finger off the piece. And now I'm regretting it, because you said it was a good move. You don't use tricks like subterfuge verbal trickery to kind of make your opponent... Do you understand sarcasm? I do, yes. Okay. My previous owner used it quite a bit. Do you ever employ sarcasm as a strategy? I've tried, but it oftentimes doesn't hook with the person. I can understand that. You see, I've been trying to learn how to laugh recently, but it comes off as very disingenuous. There's certain things about androids that have that effect. Well... I think your honesty makes you very genuous. Well, thank you. If genuous is a word. We go to Dr. Freya Locke, who is in the cargo hall right now. Inside the cargo hall are these large cartons. And inside of these cartons are modular pieces to what is going to be your base on Wolfram 16. They're like modular pieces that probably Castor and some other people in spacesuits, probably the Marines, the uh, the military wing, they're going to be going out and putting this together. If the air is unbreathable, then they'll probably be the ones doing the work. 
and it'll create a small ecosystem on the planet for you all to work from. Currently, with only two days left, everybody is kind of organizing these crates and doing a, another check to make sure everything made it on the ship that needs to be there, that there's no, no problems. There is, a, it's Captain, it's you and, uh, the captain, Captain Wakefield. He's got long, flowing red hair with like white, gray locks throughout it. He's got a high collared shirt and uh, a vest over that. And he's looking over a chart and he says, okay. And he, he says, open this one up. And one of the, one of the teamsters, one of the, the crew members, uh, a young man named Barry Camden, uh, gets on a forklift and moves this crate in position right in front of you. And they open it up. Wakefield says, uh, inside here is, uh, supposed to be all of your, uh, lab equipment. And if you could just run through the list. And, uh, there's like, uh, these little touch lights that he's able to illuminate the, the inside of this crate. And he's like, if you could just go through this list and make sure that, uh, everything is uh, the way it's supposed to be. Right. He's like, I have some other things to attend to. I'll uh, check in on you before uh, we go in for the night. Yes, sir. And he walks away and uh, Barry Camden is kind of like, you hear in the behind you the sound of this forklift going like back and forth and you realize he's not actually doing anything with it he's just moving it back and forth just driving it around wait the crate that i'm supposed to be no no, no. he's out of that now they've already lowered that down he's just zipping around in the forklift barry uh-huh could you come here for a second what could you come here for a second yeah 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 he like backs it up in reverse he's got one hand over the armrest of his over the headrest of his you know, and he's like reversing back to you and like backs up and you feel the end of the forklift kind of bump into the uh, edge of the crate and the whole thing kind of just shifts like two inches. Just shut down Ooh. the forklift, Mr. Camden. Hey, hey, hey. Sorry, 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 sorry. And you hear the engine go off. Thank you. What's up, Doc? I take out my med scanner um, and I start like shining light in his eyes. I say are you seeing anything strange, Barry? Do I see... no? No little green men running around, no stars inside the ship. Stars no inside? No blood on people's faces. What? This is strange right now. Look, if you don't want me to drive the forklift around, just say cut it out. Were you fooling around with the forklift, Mr. Camden? Ma'am? Yes? Okay, please don't. You could have ruined my equipment. Y- yes, ma'am. Okay. I won't. I'm here to make sure that you're okay, all right? So when I see strange behavior, I'm going to check on you, all right? By the way, I'm going to need you to, uh, in about 0400 hours, um, report to my lab to give me a blood sample, okay? Oh. And preferably a urine sample if you can maybe drink some water Jesus. All right. This Thank is you. a little much. We like to check and make sure that your blood and urine match when we left that there's no adverse effects of uh, the travel to Wolfram 16. To my urine? To the minerals in your body that has passed through your urine. Okay. <laughs> what would happen if... Is it possible that the minerals in my body that go through my urine could be... Like, what, 
What can? What would that happen? What would happen? What's... There could have been a solar storm that we ran through, or something like that. We could have been exposed to radiation. We'll find Doctor. out. Doctor. Yes. If you could be real for me for just a second. Yes. If something is in my urines, does that mean something's wrong down there? I have your control sample from before we left. So if it matches that, then there's nothing to worry about. But if it doesn't match that, doctor, if something's wrong with my urines, (laughs) is it possible that there's something wrong down there? What happens if it doesn't match? Then I'll report it. You'll know. What will it say on the report? Something's wrong with his down there? (laughs) It'll say something's wrong with the balance of minerals in your system. Oh. Yeah. Listen, I'm just trying to blow off a little steam. We don't know what we're going to see down there, okay, doctor? We're not going to see anything incredible, trust me. We're not going to see anything incredible? You don't think so? We're going to be on a different planet? Yes, we're going to see something that I think is incredible, which is like plants and germs and little bugs or something like that, but we're not going to see anything that's going to excite anybody, really. That might be incredible to me, doc. Would it, Barry? Maybe. I was hearing one of the guys talk on the way down here about possible, uh, you know, alien ladies with boobies on their heads. It's a, not a very good evolutionary place for it to grow, but anything's possible. I, I would find that amazing, is all I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe not attractive, but I would be interested for a, a little bit. Good to know. Um, thank you so much uh, for getting me my equipment. And please do let me know if you experience anything strange. And see you in 400 hours. I'll uh, leave you to it then. Yes, thank you. And you are standing in that room for several minutes going over the list. Is Dr. Freya Locke very... Uh, she seems very precise about this, right? Yes. Checking and double-checking, making sure that the in- inventory is correct. Yes. Particularly because I want to get my lab rat homes ready so that we can get them out of stasis. Um, and I want to make sure that they survived okay. Yeah. As you are going through your list, it is completely quiet. And you maybe didn't even notice that it got quiet in the hull of this ship. Until you hear the sound of somebody crying. I, uh, put down my uh, checklist near my equipment um, and I go looking for it for the sound. You're moving through this kind of maze of cargo crates and it's dark here. You hear the sound of metal under your feet, this metal grating mm-hmm. and the tears and sobs of somebody are echoing and, and now you can clearly hear that it's a male. They're echoing off of this room, all that hard surfaces. And at a certain point, your footsteps also begin to get loud and echo themselves. And you hear the sobs kind of stifle themselves. Hello? Hello? It's uh, Dr. Locke. Does anybody need help? Yeah. Sorry. And... From behind a crate, you see a very puffy-faced Martin Sap, one of the uh, 
one of the Marines. Oh, uh, Private Sap. Is everything okay? Are you... I mean, we can go find a private place to speak, but are you are you feeling all right? I'm, I'm a doctor. I'm... We can talk about it. He rubs his eyes, and he says, um, Doc, I, um... I guess I've been feeling kind of weird ever since we got out of the, um, out of the pods. Yeah. I don't know. I've been thinking strange. Well, I don't want to say it makes me uncomfortable to talk about. I guess I'm sure it'll be fine. It's, it's very important, Private, that you tell me, actually. Um, All of this is, I mean, I know that there's been dozens of missions before, but we are trying to improve them as we go. And so if any of this, the hibernation or anything has affected you, we, it's best for future missions that we record any sorts of feelings. If it goes away on its own, or if it, um, you know, turns out to be nothing, then nobody needs to know. It'll be patient doctor privilege, but if it does turn out to be um, something that could be fixed in the future, we should try to, right? I guess. I guess that sounds... So you're telling me that if I um, so, if I just talk to you about it, you can't... You're not going to talk about it to everybody else? No. No, not unless you're endangering other people. Um, that's the only reason I would... would. And then I would report it to the captain, and the captain would decide what to do. But we, I can also keep a record and basically keep your name out of it as well. Okay. So how are you feeling? What's going on? I, once we got out of there, we started doing you know the exercises and starting the uh, filtration stuff to get all that yes. stasis milk out of our system. And I've done it before. Like, it's, you know, it's, it's not new to me. I, you know, I've been places... Mm-hmm. Um, I know I look young, but I um, I've seen things. Yeah. But I've been having these weird thoughts that I never really had before. Such as. Like I just got this feeling like, like I don't want to go here anymore. I don't want to go to this planet. I don't want to see what's on it. Uh, Martin, can you tell me? Did you feel this way before we left at all? No, no. I was actually really excited to come up here and. They picked me and it was just like winning the lottery or something. Mm-hmm. I thought that, uh, you know, my mom was real proud of me. She said her son's gonna be like Christopher Columbus, you know? But I remember once we went under, I don't remember dreaming much. I don't remember much of what I thought, but now that I'm up, I can't stop thinking about like we shouldn't be here, you know? And what's really weird about it is that it's not because I'm, like, scared of aliens or nothing. It's like, I'm, this is going to sound silly, I'm not religious or nothing, but I feel like we're we're going to be disappointing God. Like, maybe he don't want us here. And I never thought nothing like that before at all. I, I mean, I've, I, I'm, like, I've, I've killed people in combat you know mm-hmm. yes and if he was ever going to be disappointed in me I guess it because of that but I felt like I was doing the right thing but I don't feel that way up here anymore 
I guess I've been thinking a lot about it like there's something here we're not supposed to be a part of. Maybe we're on our planet because that's where we're supposed to be. Okay. Well, just so you know, this all sounds completely normal. Um, Were you religious before? It sounds like you weren't. No, ma'am. Not really. Um... Yes, this is this is actually very normal. We're in a, um, a, a very strange situation, and I know that you may have been on missions before, but most of those were just to see how far we could go, how well we could get there. Um, could we get to another planet, perhaps to terraform it or something? But we're actually expecting life to be on this planet. Um, so uh, there's, there's definitely a precedent there for... Um, this mission in particular speaking to you and your subconscious in a way that says that we're not supposed to be here. Do you think we shouldn't go? No. I, I think we should. Yeah. I'm very excited. Oh. And his face changes when you say that. And he looks at you with this hard look that's quite unsettling. Well... Uh, we are here to do a job, and, you know, I would say just keep doing your duties, uh, following your orders, um, and if this increases, especially if there's specific um, areas where it increases, like you feel compelled not to do something in particular, uh, please let me know, okay? I'm real disappointed. In what? In you. Why? I thought we understood each other, ma'am, but I don't, I don't think you understand me at all. I think you're just telling me what I want to hear so that I go on your little trip to your little planet that God doesn't want us to be on. I can see how it would feel that way. What I'm saying is that... You just keep talking and you keep talking. And you keep not listening. And every word that comes out of your mouth is lies. Look, you're just panicking. That's all. I have a book on it. (sighs) All right. I'm not just trying to get you to do your job. If you really don't feel well, you can be excused. I've already told you I don't feel well. Yes, mentally well. Is there anything in particular that you feel incapable of doing on your admission? You're in for a big surprise, ma'am. For a real ugly surprise. Like what? I'll just leave that to you. No. As your doctor, I have to know. I don't think I want you to be my doctor anymore. Well, there isn't another doctor. Then I guess I don't have one then. And he turns and walks away. And I flip on the bird. And I just start mumbling to myself as I work. Rook, what is the last thought that Rook has before he goes to sleep? Last night, he thought about how, uh, how skinny he was and how he was looking forward to having some steak dinners in the future. And he also was kind of sad that he, he thought for some reason that uh, in Cairo's sleep that your hair still grows. He wanted to wake up and look like Fabio, uh, but that didn't happen. But usually, his, uh, he's, a pretty, he's a pretty collected dude right now, I would say. Dr. Long, as you're about to go to sleep, you're laying in your bed. The lights in the hallway bleed under your door, and you can hear the sound of footsteps coming down the hall and then a shadow at your door it stops and it seems to stand there and you can feel like whoever's standing there 
is inches away from your door. So uh, in the barracks, we have like a private yeah. area. Okay. Um, Everybody has their own little room. It's built like cubicles, but like from floor to ceiling walls. But, and you said that this barracks is the only one that's inhabited. The other one is not. So pretty much anybody who's going to sleep is around. No, no, no. Everybody's going the to conversation sleep. they had earlier was when nobody was in the barracks. Oh, okay. 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 Gotcha. Okay. They're both used. Okay. People have plenty of space. Okay. Okay. What I... Well, I'm just going to then say... Hello? I'd like for you to make a fear save. What is your fear, Gail? 30. What is... 30? Unless you're asking what she's afraid of. 87, I fail. The shadow doesn't move. You gain a point of stress. Okay. And when you say hello... You kind of trail off and cut yourself off. Hello? Instead of this aggressive, assertive Freya Locke feels suddenly uncomfortable, and you pull the blankets up tight, almost like you would have when you were a child. Maybe you hold your breath. And after an unbearable moment or two, the footsteps walk away. And it's not for several moments after that that you are able to go to sleep. Dear listener, I hope you're enjoying the show. I just wanted to take this moment to tell you about how you can help Out of Depth produce even more cool stuff like the podcast you are listening to right now. For one, you can recommend our show to other folks looking for podcasts. Getting our show into the ears of more people is our number one goal right now. So if you could just recommend it to friends and strangers, leave reviews, all of that would really help us out. If you are in a position to do more than that, you can head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash getoutofdepth. It's where you can subscribe at any tier you feel comfortable with for as long as you feel it's worth it. Those funds help us keep the show running, do even more cool projects, and allow us to afford more collaborators to work with. Their time and contributions to our shows are so valuable, and you can help support these efforts by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash get out of depth patrons also have access to bonus material for the shows like character questionnaires my game prep notes and exclusive videos like a post-mortem q a with the analysis complete cast once this series finishes up gail and i have lots of fun plans for the future as we continue to grow our audience and if you want to see them come to fruition please head over to patreon.com slash get out of depth and become a patron today thank you so much for listening holy shit I really appreciate it. Now with that out of the way, let's get back to the show and see what mysteries and terrors our players might uncover next. Rook, 
you feel all of the stasis liquid draining out of your pod. The tube is in your throat. And you're hearing massive alarms. Through the little window of your pod, you can see red lights flashing. The ship is rocking violently. And you are back in that in that suit, that, that electric mesh jumpsuit. I need you to make a body save. Uh, that's going to be a failure. All right, add another point of stress. You, like, violently rip at this tube in your throat and just yank it out, and you can just feel it, the friction of it running across your, uh, your throat, your vocal cords. You, less patiently than before, start pushing at the walls of this pod to open up faster. Gail, Dr. Freya Locke, the same is happening to you. You are coming out of the stasis pod. I need you to make another body save. That, I was just going to say I failed, but I realized I critically failed. It's 44. A 44. So you're going to take a stress. And you are, oh boy. I told you guys we were about to start playing the game. Now that we've <laughs> we've introduced the characters a little bit, gotten to know some people, did the how do you do's. Gail just critically failed on her body save, and she is in a moment where she is going to need to make a panic roll. The way this game works is you take stress every time you fail a check, fail a save, you take more stress. At some point in this game, at several points in this game, you're going to be presented with a really awful situation one that challenges your ability to stay calm and you will need to make a panic check that is where you will roll a d20 it's the only time that we roll a d20 in this game and you need to roll a number that is under your stress and right now everybody started at two and you just gained one from the first half of this episode You gained another stress just now from failing that body check, so your stress is a four. You need to roll under a four with a d20, or you are going to panic. That's a 16. Wait. Isn't it over for for panic? I would would think so, too. Oh, over. Over. I'm sorry. It is over. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you roll under, otherwise gaining stress would be a good thing. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you're just so stressed out that you're crazy. And for your know. character, that may be possible. Right. You need yeah. to roll over it. Sorry. Okay. I rolled over it. Okay. <laughs> I was like, so you're good. You're able to hold it together for a little bit, and you're yanking this tube out of your throat, and you're just hearing alarms going off, and the ship is rocking. Out of the corner of your eye, you can see a Rook emerging from his pod and you can see like some of the stasis milk the silvery liquid all over the floor in here other pods are empty and other people are starting to come out of their pods what do you do uh i i'm trying to get unattached um trying to find a safe way yeah a place to get to safety to like um is the captain around? Is Caster around? That's a good question. The captain might have been woken up first. I don't know what I was doing in my pod. Yeah, it's You're weird. Woke up in my pod. Yeah. Once I'm so I'm assuming this is a, that was a dream. Um, that was weird. And 
But I'm, I, yeah, I'm looking for the captain or caster. You are pulling yourself out of the pod, yeah? Uh-huh. And yes. you slip a little bit and hit the ground uh, a little hard on your chest. You kind of feel it. Doesn't quite knock the wind out of you, but it's that kind of awkward. The, the floor is like walking on ice right now. Rook also kind of, you see Rook's feet slipping and he's able to steady himself on the, the side of his pod. See, you're looking around for Caster. You're looking around for Captain Wakefield. You don't see the captain. Caster, you are coming out of your diagnostics uh, hibernation. For the rest of our players, every seven days, Caster has to go offline for 12 hours while his neural network reassesses all the information and data that he has gotten over that seven days. It's necessary for his AI to take a time of processing that information without new stimulation, or his system starts to have errors. And Caster, you awake. You remember being on the planet Wolfram 16 for several days, and now you're on the ship. And there is a siren blaring. Do I remember, like, what happened on Wolfram 16 during those days? You try to access some of those memories? Well, why don't you make, like, a... Give me an intelligence roll for you. So you give me an intelligence check. 86. That's, an, that's a failure. Absolutely not. No, it, you, you get like little bits of images. Like if, if you can imagine like these just corrupted JPEGs in, in movie files that are yeah. kind of flitting over your eyes. Yeah, it, it's not quite coming together. It, it would take time to kind of process that and see if you can clean it up to be anything intelligible to you right now. But it seems like you don't have, uh, there's a lot going on. Can I process what's happening right now? Are we back on the ship trying to leave the planet? You stop looking at kind of your minds, your computer yeah. eye of like trying to process that data. Now you're scanning the command center room where you've, you've been plugged in. And you see a person sitting in the pilot's chair and a pool of blood around the seat. You can't quite make out the figure. But in the large screen, you can see the planet Wolfram 16 coming closer. And your ship is maybe minutes away from being incapable of correcting its course and crashing into this planet. So I need you to first make a sanity save because this, for an android, doesn't makes sense um that's a one yeah (laughs) you're good double zero one yeah you're good no stress and then you uh get up so you can make the panic roll still uh but you only have two stress i believe because this is still kind of crazy 15 we're good yeah you're all good so you're able to kind of process that the like the weirdness the the sanity is kind of processing that weirdness of wait what the hell is happening right now like why am I coming out of my hibernation my diagnostics and then holy shit it looks like we're about to crash so you're staying cool 
what would you like to do? Very cool. Uh, am I the only one besides this bleeding body that's in the control room? There is, looking around, there is another body on the ground, but it looks, it's like long and black. It's kind of like a large, the shape of it is like a large greyhound, but with a long tail. Uh, but it's it's on the ground, and it looks like it's dead. Mm-hmm. Like it's not moving. Caster is gonna try and figure out how to stabilize the ship if he if he knows how he's gonna use that information. If not, he's okay. going to try and find a way. While you were doing that, Locke, Rook, you see a couple people with you. There is Melanie Devantes, who does like a lot of the cleaning and sanitation stuff around the ship. She's there. And she's coming out, and she looks equally confused. And you see Dr. George Asper, and they're kind of sprawling out. And there is a voice coming over the intercom, a computer voice, saying, Course correction needed. Course correction needed. Can we go ahead and just kind of walk over to um, Dr. George's pod and, and make sure that he doesn't slip the way that me and uh, uh, Dr. Locke did? Um, just want to make sure that I just kind of have my arms out just to kind of give us like a, a brace, a guide. Make sure he gets out, make sure he gets out of the pod clean. Yeah, you kind of slide over there, help him out. Melanie Devantes, she spills out, and you kind of just hear her going like, what the fuck, what the fuck? And she's sliding across this room towards the doors. And as she gets close to him, there's like a motion detector that, that sees her, and they open it up. And you see her slide. The The edge of the frame kind of stops her because there's the, the liquid stops uh, being slippery around there. Like, it's, it's drier. But she kind of hits the door a little bit. She's like, oh! And she holds her hip as it kind of bangs up against the frame of the door. You, you, are, you, are you okay? No, what the fuck is going on? We'll worry about that later. Dr. Locke, you hear what's going on over the... Um, yeah, the yeah. It's deafening. Who, who can... Who, who can... Do that. Who can do course correction? Who can do course correction? Caster is looking at the person who can do course correction right now. His dead body, Barry Camden, is sitting in the pilot's chair. His chest uh, and guts have been ripped out. Oh my gosh. Well, I don't know that, though. No, like, you don't know that. I but know. <laughs> it's a really fun to do that scene that way. Uh, Caster, you are looking at the dead body of Barry Camden. Everybody on this ship has had some piloting training, not enough to get the the uh, skill, the mechanical skill on the sheet, but enough to be able to make an intelligence role for piloting without any type of disadvantages. So everybody has this capacity within them to maybe make this right. Even me? Even you, yes. Okay. Especially you, because you've... You you were the only person on the ship that could do anything about it if this happened during the year-long travel. Well, you said person. I just didn't know how inclusive this language was, you know. I apologize, uh, Caster. I consider you a person. Let's not do a repeat of last season's uh, mockery. Mockery debacle. Are they real or not? Um, yeah, when I'm saying person, I'm including you. I love you. What has happened in the last 12 hours? 
Uh, I'm going to try and do a piloting check and stabilize this aircraft or do a course correction, I suppose, yeah. Sure, yeah. This is going to land real hard one way or the other. So make an intelligence check, and you're trying to get under that number. What is your intelligence for for your caster? It's pretty good, 40, right? 49. It's about a coin flip. Not bad. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. 50-50, you're going to get this. That's a 15. Nice. 15. Okay. A success is that you are able to get this righted a little bit so that the landing gear is out. But this is still going to hit the ground hard. So now instead of course correction, we're starting to hear over there and come brace for impact. Can Caster get to a place to brace himself as well? <laughs> yeah, it's one of those like, okay, I got that fixed. And then it's pulling like a roll bar down over the seat like a roller coaster. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what are you all doing, Locke and Rook, when you hear brace for impact? I mean, there, there's nothing, I'm guessing, really to brace oneself except to like hang on to like the pods probably. I mean, is there are there seats to strap in in this room? I don't Other know. Other than the the in going back inside Into the, pod the pod itself, yeah, no. I'm not going to do. I'm really uncomfortable now. Um, <laughs> um no, I think I, I mean, I'm I've already fallen on my butt. I'm going to stay down and just like curl myself around like the base of the pod, hanging on real tight and I say, "Everybody hang on to something." Where are the other people here on the sh- in this pod room? <laughs> Only Melanie and and George woke up. Is there other The other ones are empty. Okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> And Melanie is against the door and George is still in his pod, just woke up or getting out or Say that again. I'm sorry. I was too busy enjoying <laughs> this because i have wanted to do this for months for months i've been waiting to do this melanie what was is the, the question? door melanie is in the doorway yes and george is in his pod or george is out of the pod with rook he's leaning on rook rook came over leaning to assist rook. him okay. yeah, yes I'm, dr george okay. you're in charge of george rook <laughs> she says as she curls herself around a pod like godspeed nope i say uh, hang on to something and i curl around what i'm hanging on to that's the idea. Okay. And... Everyone, except for Caster, make a body save. Because Caster got himself locked into a seat. That's going to be a critical failure on my end. Oh, what'd you roll? A 66. Ew. So take another stress, my friend. Yeah. 34. <laughs> what is that for failure. you? That's yeah. a failure also? Yeah. All right. Not a critical. So, uh, Gail, you're going to take seven damage as this thing hits, and you, you're you too slippery to hang on to this thing. And you go sailing up into the air eight feet and then slam back down to the ground. <laughs> Critical fail for Rook. You're gonna Rook. You're gonna take six hit points of damage. And the way damage works in this game for everybody who's watching that was just like, hey, I want to play this game. How does it work? I don't understand what he's doing. Everybody has a pool of damage that they can take. Uh, Gail, what is your what is your HP limit? Just like the the first wound. What is it? I have uh, eighteen health. Eighteen. Okay, so eighteen. She has eighteen hit points times two 
for two wounds. So every time she drops 18 hit points, she gets a wound. That wound, she rolls on a table. It's some kind of scar. Something awful happens to her. Something awful like possibly dying. You might die on your first wound. But once you get to your second wound, you are absolutely dead. Um, so she has two pools of 18 hit points. Reading Rook is, is a little stouter than that. He has three pools. Is that correct? Yeah. Mm. By virtue of being a Marine. Mm. Uh, so he took a little damage and because you critically failed and you don't see everybody else here, you're seeing only half the, the crew, you're going to make a panic roll. Sure thing. And I think, uh, the thing that kind of sets off the panic is uh, I looked over at uh, 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 Cassidy's uh, pod where she would be, and I saw her gone there, and that kind of made me freak out a little bit. So yeah, stress is five, got an eighteen, so we're good. Okay, so you don't panic, but you are going to take that damage. Everybody else is also going to. Yeah, ouch! Melanie Devonta <laughs> eats it real, <laughs> real bad. <laughs> oh, I had a feeling. Um, she's in the doorway, darn it. Yeah, yeah. She just got um, blim, blim, blim. Just, she like hits it, drops, and then it closes like, oh, shut man. on her. Yeah, it elevator closes on her on her hips, right on her hips. Yikes! She's gonna oh. feel that if she ever makes it to sixty. She's not. What? Spoilers. She's not gonna make it. Yeah. Maybe she will. I don't know. <laughs> TV. That is now our goal. Is to make sure that Melanie make sure makes Melanie it to the makes end. it. Yeah. We got we got a spite. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, the ship is settling. Everything's still. You're still hearing the sound of sirens as there has been some damage to this ship, but thanks to Caster, not as much damage as it could have been. Here's a question. Um, I'm hurt and I'm I'm inspecting myself, but I'm also in the pods. We don't have our stuff, do we? Like, no, I don't... no. You're still in. You're like in that electric mesh suit right now. So uh, you all are kind of in the jumpsuits. Not kind of. You are in the jumpsuits. Um, the four of you. Oh, dang it. Okay. Doc Lock, are you okay? You look like you took quite a stumble there. And that sucked. Okay. Um, Doctor Asper, Private Ignacio. Melanie? Melanie is in pain. Okay, I'm going to crawl over to her. Yeah. I'm just going to kind of shimmy across the floor because I obviously can't do this. <laughs> and I'm sure she's falling right. down anyway. So. And she made her panic roll, so she's not going to like just kick you in the face and run away. <laughs> uh, you keep hearing her mutter. She's like crying, and she's just saying, what is happening? What is happening? What is happening? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, where does it hurt? Um and you see her do this with her hand. She does the all of it gesture, like everywhere. Pick a spot. Does it hurt to breathe? Yes. Dang it. Okay. Um, all right. We'll we'll get we'll get to my my lab. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and just. Private, could. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you think you can find the captain or Sergeant Vi or? Somebody? Sure, sure. And I'm gonna look at look at Melanie on the ground. And I just kind of do like the. The, the step over mm-hmm. her body and kind of shame like I'm gonna let you deal with Melanie here I'm gonna go check on the pilot thing here this is uh mm-hmm. yeah this is kind of fucked I'm gonna go ahead and just start walking over towards where the pilot cabin is it is indeed kind of fucked 
Is the milk that was on the floor making us slide around on the other side of the door? No, no. Like there's okay, a, so, so outside the door is a hallway with grates. Yeah. So like liquid just okay, okay, okay. goes through. It seems like um, there would be grates in here, honestly. Look, <laughs> I have been doing a lot of prep. Okay. <laughs> All right. This is just how it is. Yes. <laughs> I wanted I wanted it to be slippery in here. And it's slippery. And it's slippery. Got it. Okay. I'll I'll report it to the engineers. It's okay. On the way. But I I'll didn't want it to be slippery in the hallways so you guys could get out of here and go about your business when you're done. Okay. Okay. Um I help Melanie to the med lab. I will make sure that your suggestions are taken into account at Pantadine Industries where they are sure to update their next ship. <laughs> I'm putting in my notes. <laughs> Building a better tomorrow with Pantadine Industries. Caster, what are you doing now that the ship is down? You can see through the visor, you see this planet, rocky terrain, gray, massive mountains off in the distance. Wind is blowing. Is the train feeling familiar in my memory banks? Yeah, there's a little bit of that deja vu happening. Like, we've been here. Oh, my. I'm going to go over and use the bioscanner and try and scan this dog creature. Okay. Uh, You go over to scan this dog creature, this kind of massive greyhound-looking thing. It's got like a long horse face. Not literally a horse, but long horse-shaped kind of face with these uh, razor-sharp teeth. You can see that it's not skin uh, necessarily that it's covered in it's a hard I mean it's skin but it's like a hard very hard leathery kind of like um, a carapace yeah. like a like a whale yeah. like whale flesh like something very hard mm. almost rubbery but you start doing the med scan as you're doing that rook you enter this room and you see caster squat over something looks like a uh, it's it's about five feet in length plus another two feet of tail and over caster's shoulder you can see the uh i forgot to describe this but our friend barry camden was not locked into a chair when this hit and he has splattered all over this room uh caster what 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 the fuck just happened i am uh, not quite sure but I am slowly hoping to regain my memory to figure out exactly what just transpired. Okay, okay. Is that thing dead in front of you? Is that thing dead? That thing dead, and uh, also, uh, Barry is no longer with us. Kind of step further into the room and just kind of confirm that, like, the body in the in the pilot seat is Barry, or what was Barry. Yeah, he's not in that pilot seat. He's just kind of spread out on the ground is next like, to the pilot seat. Is there, like, any indicator of, like, yeah, that was Barry, like, that's his patch of hair, like, that's his eyeball? I, I mean, you can see his, his head. His head is still okay. there. It's it's okay. it's very sunken. It looks like Barry, but Barry lost, like, a lot of weight. I'm gonna just observe the scene of Barry and just kind of rotate over back towards Caster. You gotta make sure that thing's dead. It might be playing dead, Okay. Do I, do, do I have my knife on me anywhere? No, you don't have anything no. on you, man. I'm using the bioscanner on it currently. Uh, it, it will certainly 
certainly give us as much information as possible. But I do believe, yes, it is dead. Okay, listen, I, I, I'm going to go and try to find the captain right now. I can lock this door, right, once I leave? Yes. Either okay. of you can, yeah. That's totally okay. possible. You might Look, just, like, uh, do you want to come with me? I mean, we can, we can hold hands on the way. I, if we're feeling a little scared. I feel uh, like I should complete this bioscan to understand exactly what this is. It does not seem to be something that I recognize. For all I know, the the ship is leaking fuel, and we need, kind of need all hands on deck right now. we got to find the captain. Maybe just leave that bioscanner on the ground, let it do its thing, and we gotta we, we got time here, you know. I don't know where everyone else is at. I woke up, and it was just me, the two docs, and, and Melanie, so... And the bioscanner is pings. It's it's not alive, whatever it is. There's no there's no pulse. If you give me a command, I, I must obey. Oh, I didn't realize that's how he worked. Okay, uh... Let's go hold hands. Let's go find the captain. Yeah? <laughs> of course, I will hold your hand, Rook. No, I'm just fucking with you. Don't hold my hand. Yeah, like, Caster's holding your hand, dude. Um, <laughs> I command you to hold my hand and walk with me down this hallway because I'm scared. Can I can I ask you something? Can we walk and talk? Yes, of course. Okay, let's go. Yeah, wh- what you got for me? I seem to remember us already having been on this planet. Is that something that you recall? No. Wh- wh- what do you mean? Well, unless my dad has been corrupted, I believe we've already been here. I mean, we're on it right now. I mean, maybe you got data from another... No, that doesn't make sense because we're the first ones here, right? Um... I agree with you that it doesn't make sense, but... Right. It is something that I do recall. Maybe you... I mean, you, you do you dream? Are you... I, I know... I don't know how, how, how this whole android thing works. Do, do you have, like thoughts, you kind of like think of all the different paths of possibility, you probably just, you're just doing the math in your, in, your, in your mind, I don't know. I do not believe that is what happened. I did just awake from a diagnostic test, but I believe we were on this planet for a couple days. I mean, we'll see what the captain says, because I mean, it's his word, right? Where would you guys like to look for the captain? There's the barracks, there's the lab, the engine room. And the cargo hull. Can we just make a stop by the med bay just to kind of meet up with Melanie and uh, whoever and and the doc? The stasis chamber? Yeah. You could totally do that. Yeah. And just kind of. So, yeah, you're exiting out of here. You go in the hallway. You make a left. You start heading up towards the uh, stasis chamber where you can see the trio standing in the hallway huddled together. They're finally all standing. Uh, Caster. yeah, you're noticing everybody looks like they just came out of stasis. They're in their little jumpsuits. And Locke, you see Rook and Caster coming down the hallway. Oh, Caster. Uh, what's been going on? What? Where's the captain and Sergeant Vi? I'm not sure where the captain is, but I awoke for my diagnostics to uh, the ship nearly colliding with Wolfram 16. I was able to stabilize the ship somewhat and make the crash not as bad as it could have been. But I'm afraid that Barry is dead and there does seem to be some sort of strange life form uh, dead on the floor of the command center. Yeah, Doc, he, he's kind of like strawberry jam just all over the walls. It's uh... As he's telling the story, you can see that Caster's hands are covered in blood and he's got like little specks of spray across his uh, the metal of his 
his face. Okay. So before before Barry went everywhere, I did like observe that it looked like he'd he'd been like gnawed. His like stomach had been, yeah, yeah like his guts had been ripped out, or like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Wait, you you said his guts were everywhere. What did he? <laughs> Connecting the dots, I do believe whatever this uh, this dog like creature was, perhaps killed Barry, but something killed it as well. A dog like creature. Crap. Not a chihuahua. It was not a dog, though. This did right. not seem like something I recognized from Earth. What what type of doctor is Dr. Asper? That's a good question. <laughs> He's uh, geology. Geology. And okay. uh, some uh, some physics. Okay. That's what Those kind of go together, don't they? Yeah, I figured I was the life form person. He was the terraform person. Okay. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, can... Uh, Dr. Asper, can you can you get uh, Melanie to the um, med bay and strapped in? I, I'll I'll come in and and do a diagnostic. I just want to see what this thing is. And um, uh, Dr. Locke, I mean, considering I I mean I don't want to do anything, but military expertise here. I think we should kind of stay together for now. We don't know if there's any more of those dog horses roaming around the ship right now. Uh-huh. Okay. I think Honest, it's honestly, Private Ignacio. As a doctor, I have to say that if there is a foreign creature on this ship, we need to isolate it and anyone who's been in contact with it. Rook, you can pull rank. I mean, in cases of emergency, you, it defers to you guys. Uh Casta, who 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 has to stay here? I mean, who who do you whose side are you on here, Casta? I mean, this is kind of like a ma and pa dispute. Do do you do you like me? I mean, we held hands for a little bit. Do you, or you like the docs? <laughs> <laughs> Who said you want? Because honestly, I'm kind of I, I, my head's spinning right now, and I. If you well, tell me something to do, I will do it. And if Doctor Locke. Okay, can you make a choice? Can you well. make a choice right now? Should we go with Doctor Locke's plan, or my well thought out strategic plan? Are you asking me to be a tiebreaker? Is that a command? No, I'm asking you to be a judge. I'm asking you to. I. He's asking you to use your judgment, and to be honest, for all I know, this dog has been in our air systems this whole time and we we're in, we're all in trouble so what if what if one of those dogs in the med bay and then dr george and melanie are gonna be patching each other up and then all oh, chomp chomp dead strawberry jam strawberry jam all right all right we can all go to the med bay together then do you have something to protect us if there's something in the med bay uh right <laughs> <laughs> i'd probably do actually do a little <laughs> um, <laughs> okay Got a little one too. He says, holding up a fist. All right, I'll let you you all lead the way. Um, sure, and we'll t- we'll bring Melanie. Uh, just, just just like map layout wise, is there like a weapon weapon um, uh, locker near the med bay, or is it like where are we in orientation in regards to all of this? You all are meeting at this little intersection between the engine room and the stasis chamber. The hull is towards the back of the ship. And then towards the front are the barracks, the command center, and one of the airlocks, one of two. The med bay would require you to cut through the engine room and go to the opposite side of the ship, east-west, to the lab slash medical bay area. What weapons would be be kept in cargo? Yeah. Okay. At the back of the ship, right. Which you're not far from. Okay. Cast are you are you good with uh with anything? I mean, we, we I think we should make a trip straight to the cargo 
I mean, considering if if all the other people spilled out of their thing, they might have wound up there. I think we should check the engine room, the whole, uh, the cargo hole. Um, I kind of don't feel really safe, kind of just walking around with just just the fisticuffs. You know what I mean? Absolutely, I am with you. You mind you mind leading the way? Of course, I will lead the way. <laughs> right. Cool. Android Android Shield. Is that what we're doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess we're just going to head north to into the cargo hold here. Sure, yeah. You go to the cargo hold, you uh, open the door, and when you go in, you see that the cargo hold is completely empty. <laughs> like, all the crates that were filling it up, Freylock, this is a little weird to you because you were just in here hours ago. All those cargo, all those crates are gone. Uh, there are a couple of crates here and there. They look like supply crates, but all the ones that would have been for like the modular haven, those are gone. Is this uh, is a joke? I wonder if we left all the equipment on the planet when we were last here. On the planet? What are you talking about? We haven't got, like, we just landed. My memory systems indicate that we were already here. You tell me we came here, we left, and then we came back. I am not telling you how it is rational. I am telling you what I believe happened. Okay. Dr. Asper, Melanie, uh, do you you all recall landing on the planet? George says that's, um... No, I, uh, I remember we, um... We were playing a game. Uh, Castor and I were playing chess. Yes. You remember this, Castor? Of course, yes. Yes, so we were playing chess, and I, uh, I got something to eat. And then I went to bed. When were you playing chess? Like, before we took off? It was in the evening. It was, um, we had only been, we were like two days, I believe we were two days away from landing, is how I recall. I also thought that we came out of stasis on the way here. Right. We just woke up in stasis. I thought it was a dream and that we were finally here. You did previously wake up from stasis. I can verify that. Don't you remember? I gave you the glass of water. Yes, yes. And pat my back, yeah. Um, so we were on our way home? Of that I am not sure. And none of us remember this? When I woke up from diagnostics, we were on a collision course with the planet. Okay, this is this is getting strange from my brain. I, I Okay, Cassidy, I don't know what happened to you, but you maybe your wires are mixed up. Maybe you need to download more RAM or something. But this is not good. Let's just go somewhere else then, yeah? Okay, so let's stop trying to rationalize things. Okay, let's okay. just get the captain, everyone else, and then we'll work from there, yeah? And Melanie speaks up and she says, there's, there's blood here. What? And she points oh. over between like two supply crates, smaller crates. One of them's open and there's blood on the like inside of this crate and a little trail of it going towards one of the doors out of here which door the door we came in or the other door or one the of other, the other the the opposite door yeah or the the other door the west side of the room the, the room uh, i'm gonna go check that out okay the crate anyway is the crate made out of wood or is it made out of like like metal material it is like thick plastic <laughs> okay never mind um oh i'm sorry 
<laughs> I was wondering if there's any like any like salvageable material to kind of fashion myself like a little blunt uh, object. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you, yeah, definitely. <laughs> this is something I, uh, we talk about with Gail. Just tell me what you want <laughs> when yeah, yeah, you yeah. ask the question, because I can get you something blunt instrument in here. Yeah, sure. Uh, not far from here is a crowbar. Mm-hmm. You can have a crowbar. Great. I will grab it. Uh, notice the blood. I'm going to just kind of like leave it dragging one end, dragging on the floor. Uh, Mr. Cast, do you mind just uh, following this little blood trail? There might be one of our guys. There might be the captain. Would you like me to lead the way again? You are not afraid, are you? I mean, you know, you know. I feel like you've had your, your share. I will, I will do it. You know, <laughs> I will. I will gladly bestow this party with my with my amazingness. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and just follow that blood trail. Stick close, though. Of course. Did you know very well? I mean, he was a funny dude in our time in training. Uh, he made me laugh a few times. Uh, I kind of, you know, stole a few credits from him from, in poker. But uh, other than that, uh, you know, it's a funny dude. He's like a little, like a little, like a little mouse, you know. How does but, his uh, death make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we in therapy or something? Just come on. It's, this is not. It's it's a curious question. I, I mean, Dr. You've Lott. Asked me questions? I, I mean, I'm sure how I feel is how uh, all the other people here on this ship feel. You know, with sorrow, despair, uh, what's another sad word? Sad. You know? Uh, <laughs> While you're doing that. Uh, <laughs> sad. Uh, while you are doing that, uh, Dr. Locke, I know you went over to investigate this crate. Yes. Yes. You can see. Um, what looks you can see what looks to be a book a notebook i pick it up and take a look you flip it open to these pages and it's scrawling that looks like somebody finger painted in it with their own blood what you got there doc um it's just it's a notebook it's a notebook oh someone's diary uh no it's just pictures it's it's words it's letters that say can't go back. Have I seen this notebook before? I mean, there might be like standard issued notebooks. They're just kind of like standard loose leaf, not loose leaf, just standard yeah. college ruled. Yeah. What are they called? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, who's it belong to, Doc? You might just flip into the uh, to the inside, the inseam. The front I, I mean, I do. I look at the very front mm. and the very back to see if there's initials for somebody who might have had it. But you see uh, BC. Well, that has to be Barry Camden's. Yes. Yeah, I believe that was Mr. Camden's. Okay, you mind just holding on to that? That's. Yes, I, yes, I will. Yeah. Um, the blood goes towards the men bay door, isn't that correct? Uh, yeah, that the... side of the side that would go towards the med bay, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, let's go. All right, follow me, my sheep. <laughs> You lead your lambs to the door into the hallway. You're making your way towards the med bay, the lab. You make your way inside. Most of the lab is empty. Like a lot of the supplies and equipment looks like it's already been transferred out of here. Shite. There's a few emergency medical kits, the supplies of which are pretty rudimentary gauze, antiseptics. Is my lab coat in here? No, it's not. Shite! 
it has my screwdriver and my med scanner and my vaccine. Yeah. <laughs> but what about my vaccine? We're past that. Get my um, on, yeah. But my vaccine. <laughs> um, I'll take one of the one of the med kits. And I'm gonna just kind of shove it into Melanie's hands. Hey, Miss, hold on to that, and then we'll take care of you once we, you know, find everybody. Okay. Um, uh, this is. Uh, there is a computer terminal in here connected to the doorway that you can access the ship's computer. Okay. Can we? Can we? strap her down and like if I can yeah. just get a look at her just make sure that she's okay yeah sure. there's a, there's a uh, medical bed that's a part of the room it's a fixture in the room and she hops up onto the bed why you do that um, me and Cass they might be able to check out the computer then what's the, what's the password doc this is people can log into like their personal accounts but this is a ship's computer you could log into like your account. Yeah. Or just the general computer system from here. And we'd all have that access. Yeah. Well, specific maybe. Some yeah. people would be able to do more with it than others. Yeah. yeah. Based on you know, like the the Marines don't have like a ton of unless they're sergeant or the captain, they don't have like a ton of clearances. Which of us would would have the most capabilities? You would. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say probably caster. <laughs> Allow me. What would you like to be done? Doc, any ideas? I mean, you got, like, cameras? See if anyone else is on. Yeah, can we look at the cameras in the rest of the, the ship? Or maybe even outside the ship, if there are any? Or if our air supply is compromised or anything like that? I'd also be curious to see the flight logs. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, captain's log, though I don't know if we can access that. Caster, you log into the computer. You all see Caster typing at this computer terminal his fingers moving at a fairly rapid pace faster than most humans any human could possibly manage and you start navigating through the files and the systems and you know that they want certain information but you know that you're fast enough that you can scan this pretty quickly you want flight logs I do want flight logs system times yeah you start scanning through these files and you're starting to notice something and at first your brain doesn't process it because that seems really silly but you can see that you all landed successfully and there's a date next to it and then you can see where you took off and it's been from the time you landed on Wolfram 16 to the time that you took off, which was only an hour ago, it has been 267 days. <laughs>